Om Namo Narayanaya. We're continuing our read to the Srimad Bhagavatam today with Chapter 8, Prayers by Queen Kunti and Parikshit Saved. Before I go into this, if anyone finds what I'm about to read interesting and want to go another step, there is actually a book about Queen Kunti. This is by A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and talks all about her teachings and about her and, of course, Krishna and lessons that you can get from her. So if you like what I read today, you may want to check this up. It's not a very big book. Also, she is a figure in the Mahabharata, but that's 12 volumes, and you may not want to get into that. He kind of does a summary here and brings all these things together. So I just wanted to share, if you're interested, I actually haven't read today's chapter. I don't know what it's about, but when I saw the title, I was like, oh, I've got a book about that. And you can pick that book up from, uh, you know, Harry Krishna, ISKCON groups, and Amazon, and whatever. And I think it's actually online. You can download it. But here we go in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Sutaka Swami said, Thereafter the Pandavas, desiring to deliver water to the dead relatives who had desired it, went to the Ganges with Draupadi. The ladies walked in front. Having lamented over them and sufficiently offered Ganges water, they bathed in the Ganges, whose water is sanctified due to being mixed with the dust of the lotus feet of the Lord. There sat the king of the Kuras, Maharaja Yudhishthira, along with his younger brothers and Dhritarashtra, Gandhari, Kunti, and Drapati, all overwhelmed with grief. Lord Krishna was also there. Citing the stringent laws of the Almighty and their reactions upon living beings, Sri Krishna and the Munis decided to pacify those who were shocked and affected. The clever Duryodhana and his party cunningly usurped the kingdom of Yudhisthira and had n who had no enemy. By the grace of the Lord, the recovery was executed, and the unscrupulous kings who joined with Duryodhana were killed by him. Others also died, their duration of life having decreased for their rough handling of the hair of Queen Drapati. Sri Krishna caused three well-performed Ashvamedha Yajnas, the horse sacrifice, which can be found in the Vedas, to be conducted by Maharaja Yudhisthira, and thus caused his virtuous fame to be glorified in all directions, like that of Indra, who had performed one hundred such sacrifices. Sri Krishna then prepared for his departure. He invited the sons of Pandu, after having been worshipped by the Brahmanas, headed by Srila Vasyadeva. The Lord also reciprocated greetings. As soon as he seated himself in the chariot to start for Devaraka, he saw Uttara hurrying toward him in fear. Uttara said, O Lord of Lords, Lord of the universe, you are the greatest of mystics. Please protect me, protect me, for there is no one else who can save me from the clutches of death in this world of duality. Oh, my Lord, you are all-powerful. A fiery iron arrow is coming towards me fast. My Lord, let it burn me personally if you so desire, but please do let it let it burn and abort my embryo. Please do me this favor, my lord. Sudha Goswami said, 
Having patiently heard her words, Sri Krishna, who was always very affectionate to his devotees, could at once understand that Ashvatthama, the son of Drona Karya, had thrown the Brahmastra to finish the last life of the Pandava family. O oh, foremost among the great thinkers, Shanaka, seeing the glaring Brahmastra proceeding towards them, the Pandavas took up their five respective weapons. The Almighty Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, having observed that a great danger was befalling his unalloyed devotees, who were fully surrendered souls, at once took up his Sudarshana disc to protect them. The Lord of Supreme Mysticism, Sri Krishna, resides within everyone's heart as the Paramatma. As such, just to protect the progeny of the Kuru destiny, he covered the embryo of Uttara by his personal energy. Ah, Shanaka, glory of Brugal's family, although the supreme Brahmasta weapon released by Ashvatthama was irresistible and without check or counteraction, it was neutralized and foiled when confronted by the strength of Lord Krishna. O oh, Brahmanas, do not think this to be especially wonderful in the activities of the mysterious and infallible personality of Godhead. By his own transcendental energy, he creates, maintains, and annihilates all material things, although he himself is unborn. Thus, saved from the radiation of the Brahmastra, Kunti, the chaste devotee of the Lord, and her five sons, and Draupadi, addressed Lord Krishna as he started for home. Srimata Kunti said, Oh, Krishna, I offer my obeisances unto you because you are the original personality and are unaffected by the qualities of the material world. You are existing both within and without everything, yet you are invisible to all. Being beyond the range of limited sense perception, you are the internally irreproachable factor covered by the curtain of deluding energy. You are invisible to the foolish observer, exactly as an actor dressed as a player is not recognized. You yourself descend to propagate the transcendental science of devotional service upon the hearts of the advanced transcendentalists and mental speculators who are purified by being able to discriminate between matter and spirit. How then can we women know you perfectly? Let me therefore offer my respectful obeisances unto the Lord who has become the son of Vasudeva, the pleasure of Devaki, the boy of Nanda, and other cowherd men of Rindavana, and the enlivener of cows and senses. My respectful obeisances are unto you, O Lord, whose abdomen is marked with a depression like a lotus flower, who are always decorated with garlands of lotus flowers, whose glance is as cool as the lotus, and whose feet are engraved with lotuses. O Hrishikesha, master of the senses, and lord of lords, you have released your mother, Devaki, who was long imprisoned and distressed by the envious king, Kamsa, and me and my children from a series of constant dangers. My dear Krishna, your lordship has protected us from a poison cake, from a great fire, from cannibals, from the vicious assembly, from sufferings during our exile in the forest, and from the battle where great generals fought, and now you have saved us from the weapon of Ashvatthama. I wish that all these calamities would happen again and again so that we could see you again and again, for seeing you means that we will no longer see repeated births and deaths. My lord, your lordship can easily be approached, but only by those who are materially exhausted. 
one who is on the path of material progress, trying to improve himself with respectable parentage, great opulence, high education, and bodily beauty, cannot approach you with sincere feeling. My obeisances are unto you. You, who are the property of the materially impoverished, you have nothing to do with the actions and reactions of the material modes of nature. You are self-satisfied, and therefore you are the most gentle and our master of the monas. My lord, I consider your lordship to be eternal time, the supreme controller, without beginning and end, and all-pervasive one. In distributing your mercy, you are equal to everyone. The dissensions between living beings are due to social intercourse. O oh lord, no one can understand your transcendental pastimes, which appear to be human and so are misleading. You have no specific object of favor, nor do you have any object of any envy. People only imagine that you are partial. Of course it is bewildering, O oh, soul of the universe, that you work through, you are though you are inactive, and, and that you take birth, though you are the vital force and unknown, unborn, you yourself descend amongst animals, men, sages, and aquatics. Verily, this is bewildering. My dear Krishna, Yashoda took up the rope to bind you when you committed an offense, and your perturbed eyes overflooded with tears, which washed the mascara from your eyes, and you were afraid, though fear personified is afraid of you. The sight is bewildering to me. Some say that the unborn is born for the glorification of pious kings, and others say that he is born to please Yadu, one of your dearest devotees. You appear in his family as Sandalwood appears in the Malaya Hills. Others say that since both Vasudeva and Devaki prayed for you, you have taken your birth as their son. Undoubtedly you are unborn, yet you take your birth for their welfare and to kill those who are envious of the demigods. Others say that the world, being overburdened like a boat at sea, is much aggrieved, and that Brahma, who is your son, prayed for you, so you have appeared to diminish the trouble. And yet others say that you appear for the sake of rejuvenating the devotional service of hearing, remembering, worshipping, and so on, in order that the conditioned souls suffering from material pangs might take advantage and gain liberation. O oh, Krishna, those who continuously hear, chant, and repeat your transcendental activities, or take pleasure in others doing so, certainly see your lotus feet, which alone can stop the repetition of birth and death. O oh, my Lord, you have executed all duties yourself. Are you leaving us today, though we are completely dependent on your mercy and have no one else to protect us, now when all kings are at enmity with us? As the name and fame of a particular body is finished with the disappearance of the living spirit, similarly, if you do not look upon us, all our fame and activities along with the Pandavas and Yadas will end at once. As the name and fame... Excuse me. O oh, Krishna... Our kingdom is now being marked by the impressions of your feet, and therefore it appears beautiful. But when you leave, it will no longer be so. All these cities and villages are flourishing in all respects, because the herbs and grains are in abundance, the trees are full of fruits, the rivers are flowing, the hills are full of minerals, and the oceans full of wealth, and this is all due to your glancing over them. O oh, Lord of the universe, soul of the universe, O oh, personality in the form of the universe, please, therefore, sever my tie of affection for my kinsmen, the Pandavas and the Vrishinis. O oh, Lord of Madhu, 
as the Ganges forever flows to the sea without hindrance, let my attraction be constantly drawn up to you without being diverted to anyone else. Oh, Krishna, friend of Arjuna, oh, chief among the descendants, descendants of Vishni, you are the destroyer of all these political parties which are disturbing elements on the earth. Your prowess never deteriorates. You are the proprietor of the transcendental abode, and you descend to relieve the distresses of the cows, the brahmanas, and the devotees. You possess all mystic powers, and you are the preceptor of the entire universe. You are Almighty God, and I offer my respectful obeisances. Sudha Goswami said, The Lord, thus hearing the prayers of Kunti Devi, composed in choice words for his glorification, mildly smiled. That smile was as enchanting as his mystic powers. Thus accepting the prayers of Srinamati Kuni Devi, the Lord subsequently informed other ladies of his departure by entering the palace of Hastinapayora, and upon preparing to leave, he was stopped by King Yudhishthira, who implored him lovingly. The king, who was his makshi, aggrieved, could not be convinced, despite instructions by great sages headed by Vasya and the Lord Krishna himself, the performer of superhuman feats, that despite all historical, and despite all historical evidence, the king, the son of Drama, overwhelmed by the def death of his friends, was aggrieved just like a common materialistic man. O oh, sages, thus deluded by affection, he began to speak. King Yudhishthira said, Oh, my lot! I am the most sinful man. Just see my heart, which is full of ignorance. This body, which is ultimately meant for others, has killed many, many phalanxes of men. I have killed my boys, brahmanas, well-wishers, friends, parents, preceptors, and brothers. Though I live millions of years, I will not be relieved from the hell that awaits me for all these sins. There is no sin for a king who kills for the right cause, who is engaged in maintaining his citizens. But this injunction is not applicable to me. I have killed many friends of women, and the thus caused enmity to such an extent that it is not possible to undo it by material welfare work, as it is not possible to filter muddy water through mud or purify a wine-stained pot with wine. It is not possible to counteract the killing of men by sacrificing animals. Thus ends this chapter. Mind my Sanskrit pronunciation <laughs> as I read along, and it's the first time I, I stumble over a lot of it, but it doesn't really make too much of a difference. You know who I'm talking about. And there's a lot of names that are just thrown out, like King Yudhishthira, son of Dharma, blah, blah. It, it, mind that. This was a, a long prayer. I would actually recommend... If anyone, as I said in the opening, check out this book, and more so, there are things in this which tie to the, the Mahabharata. Of course, this is not the easiest read, even for me and others who maybe have a high reading. It, it's it's tough, and there's times I'm reading this a little confused, um, and then you get something like the Mahabharata that in English is like 12 volumes or something. It's no wonder nobody reads this. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it takes time. You see how long this video is. This is it's it's really interesting. Um, but there's a lot in this. I mean, this could be a whole a whole talk, a whole sermon, because she's just pouring out all these great things and confesses that once you leave us, 
you know, it, it's going to vanish. But in reality, it won't. If, if the Lord has really done all these great things, then it won't vanish. It is always there. But almost seeing all these great things that Queen Kunti spent so much time talking about and all these great wonders is almost looking at Krishna from a material point of view, not the transcendental point of view, truly not the transcendental point of view. There was one line here I, I wanted to, uh, I just wanted to read again. Uh, verse 43, it said, uh, You are the destroyer of all these political parties which are disturbing elements in the earth. Your prowess never deteriorates. I'm sad to say I don't believe that's true. Our world is full of political parties, but how many of them talk about Krishna? Well, none, but that's kind of irrelevant, particularly in like in America where we're not Hindu. But when you look at things that are spiritual, and this is a pet peeve of mine, um, they don't have Krishna either. There's a there's a, a taking of Indian culture. We see it in yoga, we see it in chakras, we see it in meditation, that takes all these things and turns them around and takes Krishna out of them, takes Indian culture out of them, takes Hinduism, the Bhagavatam, everything out of them. And it's just, here's chakras, but here's no citations for any sources. Here's meditation, but just meditate. Well, when I meditate, I meditate on Krishna, or Shiva, or somebody. And I really think that we're doing our life an injustice, because we're taking Krishna out of the equation. We're living life without a god. Or no, not that's not true. People say, well, if you're going to do Reiki, which I do, just pray to the angels. Well, I'm Hindu. I don't believe in angels. There's no angels in any of these books. You won't find angels. You'll find demigods. So when I say, oh, we call upon the angels, I'm basically, there's no one I'm calling upon. There's no such thing. It'd be like saying, I'm calling upon Sherlock Holmes. That's my view. I just can't call upon someone because everybody else says, oh, angels are good. No, I have to call upon something that exists, that I know that exists, that's verified as existing, and to me, that is Krishna. But sadly, we live in a world where Krishna is vanishing. Vanishing, vanishing, and we no longer honor Krishna. We honor angels, and yet the people who do Reiki, they're not Christian, they're not Jewish. They're, they, they believe in angels without any of the context, so do they believe? It's sort of like Queen Kunti. She was saying, well, you do this and you do this, Krishna, but then you're gonna leave us. So it's belief up to a point. It's, it's material belief. But the moment you lose God, you kind of lose things. And I think a lot of these folks, they, they believe something to a point. But after that point, I think they are losing things. I think she thought she would, but I think these folks are. It's a pet peeve of mine. Um, Rajiv Maltova has made his whole career based on this taking of Hinduism. Um, stealing of Hinduism, white supremacy of Hinduism, and a push to decolonize it. There's a lot of us who are now saying we need to, we need to bring God back. We need to not forget God. Even if we don't see God here, we need to not forget God. Queen Kunti was going to forget God. Sorry, it's a pet peeve. Thus, you got my got a sermon, <laughs> and. Um, my apologies, and the video went long today, uh, so maybe you'll get what I'm saying. If not, please argue me down below, but if you did, please comment down below. Um, we're about halfway through 
the Srimad Bhagavatam and keep going with me. We'll read the full canto and then I'm going to read some other things and then we'll move on to canto two and hopefully it would be great to just do the whole book together. Um, but if you have suggestions on some things you'd like me to read or whatever, uh, put them down below. And yeah, with that we'll stop here before I ramble even more. <laughs> Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Harry Harry, Harry Rama, Harry Rama, Rama Rama, Harry Harry.